Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. All right, we're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 2 at Christ the Mediator. And traditionally, a traditional mediator seeks to bring two people together. And so I asked two guys to come up and help me out. So Brandon and John, you come on up. All right. All right, Brandon, you get over there. John, you get over here. Now, we're going to pretend, get, get to the corner there, and we're going to pretend that these guys are at odds with each other, okay? As far as I know, their only disagreement is which sports team's better, because Brandon really thinks it's the Cowboys. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to pretend they have a big issue, okay? And then I'm going to be the mediator. Now tell me, what would be the role of the mediator? To listen, to calm things down. What was that, Jeff? Find common ground. So we try and bring them together. We try and get them to move to each other. So move a step toward each other, okay? So now we've got them moving a little. I think his step was bigger than yours there, dude. But uh, we, we brought them together a little bit. And, and we're, now we're going to take them another step together. We're going to talk about it. We're going to intercede. All right, bring it all the way up. All right, now shake hands with one another. All right, so we've mediated. We brought them together. Okay, thanks. That was easier than I thought. <laughs> yeah. We were going to plan a, and have them argue with each other, and I thought that would, people would be focusing more on that instead of the process. All right, when you think of Christ the mediator, what do you, you think of pulling two sides together? Christ does it a little differently than that. Christ's mediation is not like mine would be. If, if Brandon and John really had an issue, and if I had to meet with them, I would listen to them. I would try and get them to compromise a little bit, trying to get them to move toward a little bit, trying to get them to see life a little bit from the other person's perspective. Um, we're trying to get them each to move a bit closer and a bit closer and a bit closer until we can get to a resolution. Now, the resolution might be we agree to disagree. We agree that this isn't a big enough problem that we're going to let it harsh our relationship. So we're going to sort of let it go. And, and that could be a resolution in that type of mediation. But in the mediation that Jesus did, God is most holy. He is God most holy. When Isaiah saw a vision of the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and there were seraphim singing, and what were they saying as they surrounded the throne? What were they saying night and day? Holy, holy, holy. You know, when it says God is love, it doesn't say he is love, love, love. He is love, but he is holy, holy, holy. Like holy beyond our description. So God is most holy God, and you are most not. We are sinful people. In fact, when John wrote to believers, he said, if we say we don't sin, 
we deceive ourselves and we call Christ a liar. We struggle. The best of us struggle. Now, we get better, we get beyond, we grow. If you're struggling with the same sin you've been struggling with for years, you need to grow and mature a little bit. Um, like some health issues are going to plague you your whole life. Some spiritual struggles will plague you your whole life. But some of them you can get beyond. You can move beyond and, and do better. But because we are sinful people, and, and what Paul describes us in Romans chapter 3 is, there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one righteous. And God, there's no darkness at all. In us, there's no light. The only light we have is the light that God gave us, the light of conscience and the light of, of creation to try and point us toward him. And so we're lost and incapable of saving ourselves. So let's go back to the illustration of Brandon and John. If Brandon was incapable of moving toward John and John wanted to resolve it, what could John do? He could move all the way across to Brandon. See, that's what Jesus did. We could not move toward God, but God could move toward us. So the birth of Jesus is called the incarnation, God with us, God in the flesh. Now that map shows Israel and that's about, the arrow points to just about where Jesus was born, God with us. God came all the way here because we couldn't move toward him. So in that scenario, if, if Brandon was incapable of moving and John came all the way here, all the way to him, then they still could resolve things. We could not move toward God, so God came all the way to us. In the incarnation, God brought us to God, and through faith in him, he takes us all the way to God. So he didn't just stand in the middle and try and get people to move toward each other. He came all the way down, lived among us, lived a sinless life, died in our place, rose from the dead, ascended into glory, and now he makes it possible to take us with him. He came to us, and he'll take us to him. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, look in verse 1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So in verse 1, I want you to think about intercession. God interceded for us in the person and work of the Son of God, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he interceded with a capital I, and now he's asking you to intercede with a lowercase I. He wants you to intercede for others. He interceded at the God level, and we intercede at the human level, and we pray for and we care about others. We intercede for them because this is what God wants. He wants 
intercessors. He wants you to be an intercessor for you to be praying for and caring about others. Like Thelma, she's leaving us. She's going on a vacation for a year. But she's going all the way to the Philippines. You got to stay a while once you get there, right? And she's leaving this week. So today's her last day with us for a while. And she asked if I would pray for her on the plane. Well, I'd rather pray that she stays here. But I'm going to intercede on our, her behalf and pray for safety on the flight. You fly out tomorrow? No. Okay, she flies out this week. So pray for her as she goes. She told me. I just don't remember. But pray for her as she goes and intercede for her. But we're supposed to intercede for other people too. People in our culture, unsaved people. We intercede on their behalf. But Jesus Christ is the big eye intercessor. And we're the little eye intercessor. We intercede and we pray for one another. Look at verse 2. For kings and for all who enter in authority. Now, in our culture, we don't have kings. We have some people who think they're kings, uh, but we don't. And in, but in our culture, we have political officials. So for us, if, if you live here in the United States, you can say, okay, I'm going to pray for my president, pray for my governor, pray for uh, congressmen and senators and state legislators and senators. I'm going to pray for uh, mayors and uh, council members. I'm going to pray for the county government. I'm going to pray for the judicial system to make wise choices. So we can be praying for the people in authority in our political system and structure. And But then he says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So the second thing I want you to see here is that spiritual pursuits should be our highest priority. Now, we have people who vote for the president based on who they think will help our finances the best. They vote for president based on who they think will help them uh, enjoy their retirement the best. But we really ought to focus on spiritual things. And you know, maybe ask yourself, which one is closest to the biblical pattern? Because nobody's perfect except Jesus. You're not perfect. If you think you are, that's proof you're not. Uh, but, but the one that's closest, because we live in a world that we have struggles, but we want to pray that God allows us to have the religious freedom and the spiritual growth we need to represent here on, him here on earth. So spiritual pursuits should be our highest priority. That's what we should pray about the most. I appreciate those of you who've been praying for my health issue. This has been ongoing for um, a rather long time. And uh, I appreciate those of you who've been praying about that. But more important than my physical difficulties is spiritual. Pray for my spirit to be strong, for my soul to flourish. You know, when Paul wrote to Gaius in 3 John, he said, I wish your body was as strong as your spirit is. The spiritual needs are the greater needs. So remember that when you're praying for other people. Now, 
in verses 3 and 4, we're going to see that God wants all people to come to him. God wants all people to come to him. So look in verse 3, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why God the Son became the Son of God. That's why He came. That's why He became our mediator, to bring God down to us and then take us up to God. That's who He is. That's what He does. And so we need to rejoice in that and realize that even those people out there who politically disagree with us or socially uh, aren't part of our group, God still wants to save them. God wants everybody in his family. Now, when we moved here, uh, we Jim and Jerry Reeves adopted Kathy and I into their family. And Jim said, you have been assimilated. Some of you who watch Star Trek understand that reference. But you have been assimilated. And... Uh, we became part of the Reeves family. After Jim's uh, memorial service, we had the opportunity to eat with the family, and that was a huge blessing to sit with those people and talk with them and enjoy that time together, even though we were all grieving his loss. But, you know, God wants to assimilate you into, your, into his family way more than Jim and Jerry wanted to assimilate other people into their family. God wants people to be saved. And the process he uses for that is you. Jesus was the mediator to, to bring God down to us and take us to God. But now he's called you to be the intercessor, to intercede on God's behalf, to introduce the Lord to people and introduce them to the Lord so they can be part of God's eternal family as well. That's his plan. And then in verse 5, we're going to look at several different things. But if you don't get your theology right, then nothing is right. you got to get your theology. Theology is simply the study of God. Theos, God. Ology, the study of. Theology is the study of God. And so we need to make sure we get this right. So look in verse 5. What's the first thing he says? There is one God. One God. Now, if you listen to people in our culture, they talk about different kinds of gods. Uh, in fact, Hindus have thousands of gods that they worship, and uh, lots of religions have multiple gods, and some have only one God, but they don't recognize him as the God as defined in the scripture. Um, some of them even teach that uh, you men could become gods someday and create your own universe. That's not what the Bible teaches. God is the designer, the creator. He is omnipotent. What's that mean? All-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. In fact, Psalm 139 says, he knows your thoughts from afar off. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows the words you're going to say before you say them. How many times you, have you spoken words and then been surprised at what you said? You know, your mouth moved before your brain was fully engaged. 
God knows what you're going to say before you say it, even though you and I don't always know. He is uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. So while we're meeting here talking about God in this time zone, all the way north into northern Canada, all the way south into island nations, God is at work. He's present with all those people in this service. And he was present with the people who had their service hours and hours ago. Because they're uh, in a different time zone. He's present with people who haven't even got their day going yet. He's present all around the world in every place in the universe all at the same time. He's not limited by a physical body. God the Father is not. He is omnipresent. He is eternal. He exists, has always existed. I know evolutionists say, well, how could God always exist? But then they have no problem believing that energy or mass or, or uh, space dust or something existed. They believe something existed. They just don't want it to believe be God. Well, God has always existed. And in the Bible, we find the only explanation for life on earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and there's no rational explanation from any scientific or religious per perspective that doesn't include God the creator. He's the one who existed and the one who caused creation. He is eternal and loving and compassionate and forgiving. He created mankind in his image. He superintends and supervises every part of the universe, parts of the universe that we can't even see with the best telescope that hangs out in space that we have. And we still can't see parts of the universe. But God superintends that. He holds it all together. Knowing each star by name, and each person, individually and specifically. We have several mother-daughters here in the same service, moms and daughters. And in fact, a couple, we have grandma, mom, and daughter. And you know what? God knows them individually. You're not just child number four in your family. God knows you by name. He knows your needs. He knows your heart, your desires. He knows exactly when each sparrow falls from the sky. God is intimately connected with his creation. He is one God and one mediator. There is one mediator. Now, some churches have somebody function in the role of a priest. And that priest stands between the people and God. And I had a friend who was a priest, and he said his function was to bring God to the people and bring the people to God. The Bible says that's Jesus' role. So, in fact, we're all believer priests. We looked at that another Sunday. Uh, you can go back on our website or our podcast and listen to that. We are believer priests. Every one of us represent God. But Jesus is the only one who can bridge the gap between God and man because he brings God to man and then makes it possible for man to go to God. All sorts of people believe in all kinds of religion 
and put in all kinds of hopes for heaven in their faith, whatever that faith may be. But every other faith is a false faith. It gives people confidence, but it actually does not lead them to heaven. It leads them to hell because it leads them away from the one mediator. Jesus said, we read it earlier in the service, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the mediator. And then as the mediator, he is bridging the distance between God and man. Bridging that distance between God and man. Nobody could do what Jesus did. Nobody. Angels could look like people sometimes. They showed up given the appearance of men. Uh, We see that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Uh, But they only looked like people. They couldn't become human. Only God could become a person. God created not the angels in his image, but people in his image. So you and I, men and women created in his image, he could become human. He made us like himself so that he could. And he already had the plan set in place that he would come and intercede on our behalf and become our mediator. Even before he spoke creation into existence, he had the plan to bring about our redemption. He gave us a a free will and a mind and heart. We could make decisions. We could make choices. And he knew that mankind would sin and make bad choices, and he made a way to redeem all. That's what he says. He wants all, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all of us to be saved. And so he made it possible that anybody can be saved, regardless of nation of origin, regardless of wealth, regardless of intellect, regardless of gender. You can come to faith in Christ by believing and trusting God's revelation that Christ died for your sins, that he paid the penalty on the cross for your sins, and you can receive him as Savior and have a home in heaven. And he doesn't, make, he doesn't have a height limitation. He doesn't have a wealth limitation. He doesn't say only people who are between 5'8 and 6'2 make it. Aren't some of you glad? He, he doesn't say that only people who are at least uh, 17 years old and, and you know what some weird churches say, only white people can get into heaven. That's not what the Bible says. All people, all tribes, all nations, every tongue. It's not just people where, who speak English well, which is a good thing because uh, English is a messy language and we mess it up all the time. It's those who trust Christ. So, He bridges the gap, the distance. He already had the plan set in place, and then he fulfilled the plan. And then verse 5 continues, One God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. He was conceived miraculously in the womb of a virgin. And yet from that point on, His growth and development were very similar to your own. 
At five weeks, his heartbeat would have started. At six weeks, his cells would be forming the tissue that would eventually become his brain, his face, his eyes, his nose, his ears. At nine weeks, he would have little indents on the side of his neck that would eventually move up and become the ear. At 10 weeks, his kidneys, intestines, and liver would begin to function, and the finger and toenails would have started to form. At 16 weeks, he would hear Mary's stomach gurgling. He would hear her breathing. He would recognize when she was speaking. Today, at about 16 weeks or so, sonograms could detect that it was a boy, but then again, Mary already knew that, didn't she? God told her. It would be a son, the son of God. At 24 weeks, uh, Jesus would have been able to hear and respond to Joseph's voice and recognize other voices. He would have taste buds and hair. At 27 weeks, the inner ear would connect the brain to the ears and the lungs would begin quickly developing. At 28 weeks, he would have eyelashes. At 34 weeks, his central nervous system would be developing rapidly, and his skin would become soft and smooth. And at 39 weeks, the angels would announce his birth, and all of heaven would rejoice. His birth was similar to yours, and yet it wasn't. He who is light, in him there is no darkness at all, lived in the darkness of the womb for nine months. He who spoke the world into existence, who said, let there be light, and there was light. But the Bible says, by him all things were created. It was his voice that spoke the voice of God in creation. And he's called the Word, the living Word. And yet he had to learn how to speak as a baby. He who was limitless, who was omnipresent, chose to be limited to have a body for the rest of his eternal existence. Jesus Christ has the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When we get to heaven, we will see Jesus in a human body because he made that choice to be our mediator. He is fully God and yet fully man. He is the God-man, Jesus. He could walk just like we did, but he could also walk on water. He could sometimes heal people. I mean, sometimes you guys help, you know, your kid gets a cut and a scrape, you treat them, you know, they go to nurse mom or nurse dad. And I think our kids called it doctor dad and nurse mom and uh, but but they, they'd go and they, you'd clean them up, you'd help them. If they're sick, you'd nurse them along. And, and often they get better because you've been nursing and helping. Jesus could heal any disease, anytime, anywhere he chose. And people mobbed him and surrounded him and he healed them all. All manner of diseases. He could even raise the dead. I've had to participate in a lot of memorial services a lot of funerals. In fact, one funeral I preached, the memorial service was down in Green Valley, which is 100 miles south of us. 
but the graveside was up in Tucson. And so we were driving in a caravan, what do you call it, when, procession. We, were, we had a funeral procession riding from the church in uh, Green Valley up to the burial place in Tucson. And as we're driving up the road, we were driving a little slower, and a casket truck, a semi filled with caskets coming up from Mexico, drove past our funeral procession. And it had a great big, I mean, 20-foot-long picture of a casket on the side of this semi. And the name of the company, I don't remember the name, but I remember this, the the casket looked wood grain, so I'm guessing it was brown, and it went past us slowly. And we got to the graveside, and I asked, how many of you saw the casket truck? And they all raised their hands. I said, how many of you had the thought, that could be mine? And they all raised their hands. Uh, Jesus, I was in a funeral procession, and we went from one town to another town, and they pulled the body out of the hearse, and they put the body in the grave. Jesus stopped the funeral procession, raised the young man from the dead, and then presented him back to his mom. How cool is that? He was the God-man. He could do that. He created life. He could bring people back to life from the dead. He could cast out demons. And like you and I, he could love and care for people. But unlike you and I, he loved with an everlasting love. And, and we struggle sometimes to love as completely as he did naturally. See, verse 6 says, um, there, well, verse 5, there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He is the mediator. Christ, the mediator. And by the way, Christ is not his last name. His name is not Jesus Christ. He's Jesus the Christ. Christ is his title. It's the anointed one, the Messiah. It's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Messiah. He is the Christ. And so he's Christ the mediator. He did exactly what it took to bring God to us and thereby be able to take us to God. He gave himself. He willingly sacrificed. He gave himself a ransom. When someone pays a ransom, whether you've put something in it, a um, <laughs> brother, my, my brain just completely skipped over the word. Um, when you pawn something, you put something in at a pawn shop, you can take something you own, you can take it to a pawn shop, you can put it in and you can get money for it, and then if you can redeem it within a certain length of time, you can get it back. So you could pay to get your stuff back, or, but Jesus paid the full ransom for everybody so that all could be saved, so that all could come to him. He paid the price. He paid an awful price. And he paid the price in full for you and for me. He paid a ransom for 
all. So it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old and you've sinned terribly for most of your life and your family has disowned you and you don't have any friends left living, you can trust Christ as your Savior because he paid the ransom. You don't have to be a relatively innocent young kid. You can have lots of baggage, and Jesus Christ is still willing to forgive your sin because he paid the ransom for all. So when John wrote to his letter and he said, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we make God a liar. Well, in the middle of those two verses, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, unfortunately, I've had to see quite a few doctors and they deal with one problem and after they deal with that problem, another problem crops up. I wish I could go to a doctor who could just heal it all. They don't make them that way. Jesus is the only one who could heal them all. And he can heal every problem of your sin-sick soul because he is Christ, the mediator. So in verse 7, the apostle says, For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. He's saying, this is the truth because Jesus is the truth. This is the way to get to heaven because Jesus is the way. This is the life because he is the life. His story changes history and destiny. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. His miraculous conception, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his mediatorship. This is his story, but amazingly, amazingly, this is also your story. Because his story doesn't just change history in general, it changes your destiny when you trust and believe in him. He isn't just the mediator. He is your mediator. He didn't just die for the sins of mankind. He died for your sins. He brought God to you. And if you trust and follow him, when you love and receive him as Savior, he makes it possible to take you to God. Now, sometimes some kids think their dad can fix anything. I'm pretty sure Tim Martinez's kids think that because they've seen him fix everything he's tried to fix, he's fixed. But you know, Jesus Christ can fix everything. As my neighbor, whose husband recently died of COVID, said, I wish the Lord had healed him here, but I know he's completely healed up there. He is your mediator. And so what, what we should do is trust him as Savior, and then we should rejoice in this. God Almighty 
God who spoke creation into existence, the Son of God and God the Son came into humanity and He became your mediator. So He's on your side. He's on your side so much. He came all the way from heaven to live among us, to live like us, to live with us, to live as us so that we could find our way to God. Are you going to struggle with sin sometimes? Yes, you're in the flesh. The flesh wars against the Spirit, Paul told the church in Galatians. But Jesus Christ not only interceded for you on the cross, but He intercedes for you now. He is your advocate. He's your defense attorney from the accusations of Satan. And we should rejoice, not just that He rose from the dead, but that He ever lives to make intercession for us. And He is your mediator. Now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then He's still just the mediator. You need to receive Christ as your Savior. If you're not sure whether you've done that, then don't leave today before you talk to somebody. Don't leave before you ask somebody around. You say, well, I don't know anybody. You saw Brandon and John up here. Okay, they can point the way. You can ask them, hey, find somebody. If you're a young woman and you think they're scary-looking guys, I can sympathize. But they can find another person, another lady, who could show you the way. In fact, their wives would be thrilled to do that. Make sure Jesus is your mediator. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came, that he lived, that he lived sinlessly perfect life so he could be the perfect sacrificial lamb. We thank you that he is the lamb of God and the lion of Judah. We thank you that he interceded on our behalf on the cross and intercedes for us now. We thank you as we go into the season where we observe the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We can be so thankful that we know he didn't just do it for mankind. He did it for us. He did it for me. And I thank you. And I pray for the people here today as we leave this place that we'll really think about Jesus, our mediator we will rejoice in God our Savior as the scriptures we read this morning remind us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.